You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Ryan McCubbin. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Hey, David Hall. Hello, hello. Greg Hectus. What's up, guys? Hey. Well, uh, Monday night, the iRacing Coke Series has officially kicked off Speed Weeks. We'll go into those details leading up to that race, as well as a race recap. Uh, it also marks the beginning of the NIS season with Team Tafosi. GridFinder is home of the online sim racing leagues. GridFinder is a great resource to find paint designers and race commentators. Recently, they've been adding some great articles discussing various aspects running leagues and sim racing in general. GridFinder is constantly adding helpful content and giving us all the more reason to visit grid-finder.com. Make sure to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder, the home of online sim racing leagues. Let's talk uh, Coke news leading up to the race. Uh, Greg, what was first? Well, we got uh, some news, uh, an interview here uh, with Nick Ottinger. Um, with, uh, who was the article with? Uh, Overtake, detailing what happened with him uh, last season, asking him some questions leading up into the preseason here. Um, and, and just finding out, uh, you know, a little bit about him and what he's been thinking over the off season too. Um, the thing that kind of caught my art, uh, my eye is when he was talking here about uh, a quote that he put is, I survived heart surgery uh, to get here. And uh, he kind of meant it as like, you know, maybe he can't do um, some real life activities. Like, you know, he was working his whole life to try and um, be able to participate in sports. But, you know, maybe the virtual side kind of gave him a little bit more of an opportunity to do stuff. Um, and I thought it was kind of interesting because, I relate the same way. I had open heart surgery when I was three. Um, I'm missing a full chamber of my heart. And when he's talking about that, they had a pig, uh, pig tube added to uh, t- to fix it. Kind of, kind of hit home when I was just listening to that part of it. And um, you know, I knew my whole life that I wasn't going to be able to be competitive in certain sports too. So uh, it's just nice to see a different side of him. And uh, you know, he's obviously been a great champion over the off season here. And uh, I look forward to seeing what he can do this season. Yeah, it's good to get to know uh, Nick a little bit more by these long format interviews. I think he kind of got shafted a little bit with the whole COVID and he didn't get to go to the final race and get his due up on stage and all that. Yeah, but you know what? It The good thing about the virtual side of all this is he gets something, right? Got that They're, nice ring. I mean, they've... They, you. You can do the Zoom interviews. We've all, you know, we're all been able to cope with life in the last two, you know, year and a half, two years with uh, Zoom interviews. So uh, it's no different for any of these guys, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure that they prefer it this way anyways. 
It's definitely an interesting story to hear. Got another. We got a quick hit as we continue into the Coke news. Roger Carruth, who is a NASCAR driver diversity member, is joining Space Station Gaming uh, for the Road to Pro series. This is interesting because, you know, this is one of those front-end teams, so to speak. But are they a back-end team, too? I mean, are they really fielding people in the Road to Pro? It sure looks like it. Um, I, I just don't know exactly uh, what the structure is there. Um, but uh, Raja Karuth is a, definitely an up-and-coming person in NASCAR, for sure. He was be... Sorry, David. He was running ARCA just uh, last weekend at Daytona, wasn't he? Yeah. Could it be that he's um, kind of just maybe maybe they use him as a content creator, kind of like they did with uh, um, I'm trying to blank on it, but anyways, from last week we were talking about the Alfredo, yeah, Alfredo, the content creation, yeah, content creator and extra tester. You know, the more people you have trying different things out, the more you can get done in the same amount of time. What's cool for me is Raja is. Seriously going into Road to Pro, okay, trying to make it to the Coke series. But at the same time, like you said, he's in ARCA. You know, he's, he was just at Daytona. You know, he's going to run the season there. And uh, it's cool to have that crossover that, hey, we got a NASCAR driver who's wanting to be in the Coke series. And he's it's just as important to him as the real thing. This next one was interesting, Brian. Yeah, um, so some more Space Station gaming news. Uh, this time uh, they... They tweeted a congratulations with, uh, to Malik Ray. Uh, he finished fourth in the podium 500 race this past, uh, Sunday. So, and, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're uh, also giving him some kudos and wishing him luck for the Coke race, which we'll cover shortly. Um, also in this tweet was like kind of an introduction video as, uh, Malik as a new driver. I know they had a video earlier with him in this, in that white background studio with the, uh, space station gaming, um, uh, car that was, uh, wrapped just for the, uh, for that, uh, particular, um, video section they did but um this is a different one uh this video uh has uh, malik sitting in some stands watching a race he gets a text uh he looks at his phone and uh he starts driving to where that uh, eventually to where that studio is located um uh he, he's wearing at the beginning of the video his rowdy uh rowdy uh white uh hoodie shirt which is um you know Based on his team from last year, he drove the 18 car for Joe Gibbs Racing, and uh, he uh, he had the rowdy shirt on. And uh, he comes up to an intersection, and uh, from the outside of the car, you see the hood get thrown on the ground and him taken off. So uh, I guess that was Joe Gibbs Racing. He drops it yes. at, uh, at the door of Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, right at the racing. So yeah, so it was de- definitely a. Uh, yeah, he was definitely out there that he was leaving Joe Gibbs Racing and is now part of uh, Space Station Gaming. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, Malik Ray, as we'll find out even even more later, he's not a he definitely doesn't hold his tongue on things, and uh, he's not he's willing to get out there and 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 make his uh make his way. Well, Greg, your first comment was, "Boy, he's burning bridges, man." I'm just not sure, you know. There's so many different ways to go about all this stuff. And, you know, maybe he is burning a bridge. Who knows? Like, and we, now David, we always make the thing about cancel culture and stuff like that. But there's so much. What he is doing here is he's presenting an image, right? So he's kind of, his image is the, you know, 
is it a bad is it a bad boy is it the outspoken driver i don't i don't know what he's trying to go for uh, if that's what he's going for and whatever he wants to do it's it's up to him but i just feel like you know we're trying to get this you know they're trying to get these a name for themselves and stuff like that and um you know it, it's just an odd way of going about it but maybe it maybe it works uh, can- cancel culture and calling out your own team out in out in public media is uh that's two different areas you know because uh, you're dealing with people that you're that are your teammates um we have fights all the time uh but we generally unless we're making a joke of it we, we don't generally don't you know air our dirty laundry out on the out on the public airways or in a tweet yeah this and, is- and I, I was gonna say real quick mike um I don't think these guys are getting like multi-year contracts because you know they could be they could be relegated at the end of the season. You know, there's no guarantee that they're going to be back one year to the next. So I doubt if they're getting these long-term contracts from these guys. So at the end of this year, is you know, is is this going to be a, a deal where you know they, that Joe Gibbs Racing's would be like, yeah, we don't really want to deal with that guy anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I was thinking Kyle Busch probably isn't very happy either. I mean, to see his rowdy shirt get thrown down on the ground and stuff. It's kind of a disrespectful, but uh, but it's interesting. It was kind of a music video, kind of, and they at the end they show him in that same white room with the car. So they're kind of reusing some assets from that, but uh, and and this, you know, hey, another intro video before the big race. Yeah, um, Kyle Busch, he he's had didn't he have an incident this past uh, season where one of his drivers uh, did something really disrespectful to him? Uh, I don't I don't know how that ever worked out in the end, but I, I seem to remember that being happening last year. I remember right. what you're talking about, but I can't remember who the driver was or where he is now. Yeah, I don't and know it, if there was any ramifications from that, but that that it, had Gilliland. It was Gilliland. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there was – that can't be as worse, as bad, uh, you know. What what Malik Ray isn't as bad as what he did. So we'll see how he if, – if there's any ramifications. All right, and then we move to the broadcast Monday night. Greg. I I didn't see this part because I kind of fast-forward through it. I, I don't know if you watched the whole broadcast, Mike, but uh, I guess James Pike hosted a pre-race uh, analyst segment with three former drivers uh, – Chris Overland, Brandon Cattell, and uh, Michael Garigla. Uh, kind of just introducing the new season, right, is what they were kind of doing. Yeah, and uh, talking about some of the changes. So let's go through that. Um, our buddy Evan Pasoko, um, who, who we tried to get on tonight, but he's traveling for his new job, um, couldn't make the recording, but we'll get him on for the next race. Um, he posted up a, a graphic of the changes, and they're basically rebranding the name um so they got the road to pro uh qualifying series but now there's also the road to pro contender series and that's the pro series has been renamed to so instead of the pro series it's now road to pro contender i think this kind of gives it a more of a do you think it'll up the obviously the participation early will be busy and then near the end when it trails off the contenders are what's going to be the important one anyways right that's why they lose so much popularity near the end of the season right i think it's good uh the name change i like it remember when nascar announced the new playoff and they said 
you know, every three races, you're going to call it the contenders or whatever the, the different names for it. This kind of reminds me of that. It, yeah, it was contenders, the elimination, right? Things like that. Yeah. So it's along those themes. So I kind of like it. Uh, as a reminder, uh, the road to pro qualifying is open to everybody. Um, and then they're going to break it down to the top 70 in points for the second round. So there's two rounds. First round's open to everybody. Second round is top 70 in points. Um, they're going to snake split that, I, I remember. And, uh, and then those top 20 will move into the Road to Pro Contender with the bottom 20 from the Coke Series. Are any of us pretend are going to actually participate to start the season or what are we thinking about doing it i think we've been well protected from delusions of grandeur this year yeah and it's on a thursday now so it's like right after our recording so there it's not tuesdays like it used to be so it's every other thursday opposite the coke week it's it's a full-time job to make that thing now you know uh we we enjoyed getting to talk with some of the ese guys over the over last season as they worked towards it and the amount of time they put into it is you know i chatted with michael Jean several times about how much work he has to put in to just the setup and when they uh he was actually concerned he was gonna have to stop running nis just because uh of how much time he was putting into the to the b car sets okay and then what other changes do we have for the coke series david we got some new rules uh winning your in so you went you get a win during the regular season and are within the top 20 you're automatically in the playoffs um the playoffs have been expanded from eight to ten drivers and they're no longer giving bonus points for leading laps or leading the most laps and uh what happens if they have more than 10 winners (laughs) (laughs) that's a good question mike um i'd be surprised if there's more than 10 winners that aren't in the top 20 uh so I don't know, but that's, that's interesting. It's not like if you win a race, you can totally blow off the rest of the regular season. You still have to stay within the top 20, which, you know, in a field as strong as this is not, not the easiest thing in the world to do in its own right. So, um, so yeah, so I don't have a problem with, with any of these, uh, new, uh, new things. Uh, I think winning your in should have been done. I think, um, it's going to help like, uh, somebody like a road course ringer, like Bobby Zelensky, he probably doesn't have to worry you know, too much if he gets that win in the road race, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I think that it will, uh, it will mix up the playoffs a little bit more than it has been. And, uh, you know, I think it's a decent, decent change. I think, uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, uh, Brian, the road race ones kind of help out, you know, like a Bobby Zelensky, uh, Mitchell DeJong. We'll see how he actually gets along on the roads this year, but, uh, I think, Mike, when you're talking about if there's 10 different winners, they just do what they would normally do. You, you, the highest one in the points would be the next would push in. So if you had 11 winners, you know, the 11th guy in points would be, or furthest back would be the one out. It just happened that way. I mean, if you're thinking about it, 10 of 20 total, you know, someone could win, but they might not be in the top 20, right? Like, look at, um, uh, look at Ray, uh, Ray, or Malik Ray last in the road to pro. He he won the first race of the season, and then he had a slow slow climb to stay into the road to pro. Um, it doesn't really guarantee you if you win a first race or early in the season that you're going to make the top twenty. 
Okay, so let's go into the race itself. I'll, I'll kind of preview or review here what happened. Mitchell DeJong uh, got the pole, and it was three wide early. This is actually a caution-free race. Um, it was Garrett, Lowe, Novak, Mullis uh, working the third lane, but they hadn't get to the front yet. Um, but then there was a wreck, but no caution, actually. It was Ryan Luzo and Zach Novak into each other, and Malik Ray had nowhere to go. Um then uh, with another tense moment uh, between the new teammates, Brian Schoenberg, and uh, decides to pit the last second, and Derek Justice couldn't check up in time. Both got damage, plus uh, da- damage for Garrett Maines. But again, no yellow flag. Uh, there was also a minimum speed rule that took effect uh, after Zach Novak and Malik Ray were damaged from, from that earlier deal. Uh, they got penalized for not meeting minimum speed which uh, that was kind of interesting. I haven't... Yeah, I don't, oops, sorry, Brian. I was just going to say, I, I don't remember ever them having that in the Coke series. That no, I think I, it's new. Something. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty interesting, and I think that's a good idea to have, especially in a, uh, a, play, a race like uh, Daytona, where you know, you're going to have cars coming behind you three wide at a really high rate of speed, and you're off the pace. That could, that could cause a real problem. Well, and that's, that's exactly right. It's it's the fact that I think they they have a minimum speed rule at a track like that is just because the closing rate is so fast. I don't know if we, we've seen it in our splits when we were racing, you know, inside or outside, it's still kind of hairy to try and pass a lap car uh, when they're way off the speed. It, there's just no need for them to be on the track. If I know they're probably trying to gain points and stuff, but at this point of the season, it's pretty early, you know, let the first race unfold instead of causing a big one, I think. And with no cautions, there were green flag stops. Zach Nichols actually got a speeding penalty during one of those. Uh, it was there fun to watch. You know, the whole pack try to fan out as they get onto pit road and not hit each other. Um, getting down to the end, twenty to go. It was three wide, about ten deep up front. Auditor, Clampett, Conti, Guest, Mains, Mullis, um, and it was basically roommates and teammates on front of the all th- all three of the lanes. And they were talking, Evan was talking, is this a strategy? Because it was Conti and Clampett who are roommates, but then Ottinger, who's a teammate with Clampett. Uh, and so between all three of them, they had the front uh, covered one, two, and three. Um, I don't think it was on purpose, though. But uh, got down to two to go. Uh, they reckoned in, in turn four on the final lap. Uh Basically behind the leader, it looked like Michael Guest may have came up just a little bit into Logan Clampett, and Michael Guest was on the bottom pushing Conti, uh, and uh, Clampett got turned in front of the field, basically, and they all wreck. Conti goes on by himself, basically, to the checker for career win number 11. It kind of looked like a little net code, but it's hard to tell. Well, you kind of, I don't know if you put you summarized it here, kind of odd, but it says he's locked into the playoffs, but he's not really technically locked in. He could have a horrible season if he's not in the top 20. Right. He's not locked in yet, right? I That's mean, true. He's still got to be top 20. I mean, he could finish first here and finish 40th, and he's still – he could be right on the 20th line by two races in, right? Yeah. A great replay that NASCAR put up on the Twitter of uh, screen – you know, a, a face shot of Conti and Clampett – uh, on that final lap, and uh, as everything went down and they were racing for the win, um, really need to see Michael's emotion. He's very happy, obviously, to 
to get this win uh, and be in the playoffs, basically. Well, and he had a, you know, he was trying to compete for the win last season for the championship, right? So uh, it's good to see that uh, he was able to s- still keep up the momentum from last season to this season too, right? Yeah, so the finishing was Conti, Michael Guest, uh, Matheson, who's a rookie, Vincent, Gann, another rookie, Zelensky, Kerwin, Salas, a rookie, Sherburn, Davies, uh, Dijon's, Olat, Maines, Bolin, Jake Nichols, Busa, Leahy, Cook, Lowe, Clampett, and Ottinger. And in the post-race, Conti said he's ditching his uh, G27 and he's installing a VRS uh, direct drive wheel this week and changing up his equipment. Yeah, it was um, overall, I thought it was just another really solid broadcast from iRacing. And, you know, Evan's always really good. Um, sorry he wasn't able to make it here tonight, but um, but Evan's always excellent in the booth. Um, they had a, the, the, uh, the pre race stuff was really good with, uh, with um, um, those, those guys who used to be racers. Uh, and also, uh, yeah, with Pike uh, announcing it. Um, and uh, one thing I wanted to mention was that uh, the Grand Marshal before the race start was uh, none other than Steve Phelps, the uh, you know the president of uh, NASCAR. So, uh, you know, high profile guy there to to give the start to start your engines command. That was really cool. And uh, something else that he mentioned uh, that I thought was really interesting and actually, uh, you know really gives some props to I, this, uh, iRacing and this Coke series. He he's basically says that Monday night is the start of speed week for NASCAR. He, you know, uh, leading up to the Daytona 500. So he's kind of grouping uh, the iRacing Coke series in with all of the other NASCAR events that are going on all week long. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it wasn't, he he didn't put it as a it's separate thing. He included the iRacing event as as part of that whole 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 series of events that lead up to the Daytona 500. And I thought that was really cool and and quite a good indication of where iRacing and the Coke series is now in uh, in the whole lexicon of uh, NASCAR racing. Yeah, I love to see NASCAR claiming ownership of it. I just love that. It gives it that legitimacy, you know, to have the president of NASCAR, you know, on for the first race of the season. It just, you know, cements that relationship even more. Yeah, I I can't agree with you more. And man, I really wish these these races were televised. I mean, they were. It's it's a great broadcast. It's a it's a great um, a great show that these guys put on. Uh, their talent is is just amazing, and uh, they really need to get more bro- uh, more of a um, outreach, more more people seeing what these guys can do. Well, just the other day, I was in the gym like at a on a Saturday morning, and they were one of the sports channels, I think it was ESPN two or ESPN was broadcasting Madden. (laughs) I mean, so if they can broadcast that, I don't see why this isn't getting on a sports channel. Well, and everything is the whole landscape of all this stuff is changing it. If you look at this week and how they've lined this whole week up, I kind of like they used to do the, the, the qualifying on the Sundays and they used to have the clash on Saturday for for the cup thing but i think running this coke race monday then we had the clash tuesday qualifying wednesday the duels thursday and then you got you know the trucks xfinity and then the cup it's it's one hell of a nice week to to just watch content for racing 
And then to throw in that we all get to run our own 500s this week, too. All right. And then Malik Ray uh, speaks out again. We basically already hit this, didn't we? Kind of earlier. Yeah, he was uh, explosive. He had displeasure with Ryan Luza, who's his teammate on the front end, because they got involved in that incident that didn't bring out a caution. But it was just a racing thing, and that's what Ryan said. But he called him out on Twitter, basically saying, destroyed because the teammate decided he was too good to practice a setup beforehand. Yikes. I just, I don't know. So this is where I was talking at before about, I don't know what his his agenda is. As Is, is he the trying to be the bad boy type thing or, or what is he's doing here? Because that's how you don't end up finishing races because somebody's not going to stop for you now. Or, you know, this is how you start. You maybe have teammates and things like that, but this is how things, you know, escalate further on because you, you, you start little simmerings of things here and people don't forget. So I, I just don't understand, was it needed? It, you know, the season, it's his first race of the season, go on. I, maybe maybe this is the image he wants to uh, to convey, but it's just this right here is is not endearing him to anybody he's driving with. Unless it's all a conspiracy and him and Lusa planned it. That could be true. Wrecked. That could be well, true. Malik, Malik is a really good uh plate racer you know he's really good at these tracks and i think he was just really disappointed that he didn't get a chance to uh to do what he can do with these races so i think he just got a little extra frustrated but you know who wants drivers that are all milk toast and, and just reading these uh bylines you know we want a little bit of uh controversy and a little bit of uh, uh of uh, craziness to our drivers i think both well, for he's the most showing part. personality yeah we do but his teammate doesn't Right. They might cross the line as far as teammates go. It's not something you normally see, even in, in some of the uh, some of the teams uh, in NASCAR. You don't see that happening very often. But, you know, it, it was it was a good, good topic to talk about. Uh, and uh, he's definitely he's definitely given us content. That's for sure. Well, and he'll come up again when we go into uh, the podium 500, too, because he was a pretty, uh, pretty aggressive race in that one too, racer in that one as well. All right, first it's Porsche, though. Yeah, guys, uh, so Saturday was the round four of uh, the Porsche uh, Tag here uh, Esports Super Cup. Um, they were at Silverstone this time, and uh, Sebastian Job he gets the win. Uh, he held off Josh Rogers in what was a really exciting last lap. I watched that race, and uh, the race went back and forth for a while because uh, Sebastian actually uh, had an incident earlier in the in the uh, final race where he uh, he was put a few spots from the front and man- managed to work his way through and uh, get back to the to the top of the leaderboard and and took the win in this race. Uh, Josh was uh, pinning pretty hard, um, but uh, Sebastian Job right now, even though he's got two wins, he's got two really bad finishes. So he's he's quite a ways, almost like a race away from uh, from the top of the standings in the championship series. So um, I th- there's there's a there's a possibility that uh, that uh, Josh Rogers might have just 
was uh, just being safe with the Sebastian, not really pushing extra hard to try to get this win, knowing that uh, the uh, championship points uh, favor him to finish this race and not have any serious issue. issue. So it was a good race. Uh, Max Backham, he uh, finished uh, third in that race. He's got that cool Lego car. So uh, that's, uh, that was cool to see in the top three finish. And uh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, it was a good, good race. And uh, I think Mitchell DeJong actually won the – won the sprint race earlier in the earlier in the race and uh so yeah very solid race good fun to watch and uh next next week they're going to be headed to america in uh the road atlanta will be their next stop you know what the odd thing i was watching that whole that whole battle to brian at the end there um he <laughs> he had a chance in the last two corners to you know, there was con could have been contact, there could have been whatever, and, and Rogers kind of like didn't force the issue like crazy, like you're saying, to try and you know, it, it's better for him to finish second, get the points, and keep that um, that mo that gap that he's got between jobs. Because if you know, if Sebastian gets back, you know, gets this win, and say you know, Josh Rogers finishes or spins out there. Who knows? He's back into the championship, and it's smart racing if you think about it. Yeah, he's yeah. he's racing for a championship. Josh Rogers is, was not for this in particular uh, one win. It was clean racing. Yeah, they had a nice video of the last lap and how it played out. So cool to watch. How many times before the current playoff system in a NASCAR race did you have the points leader win the race when they didn't have to? Right. Ask Mark Martin or Matt Kenseth what they used to do when they were all over those seasons before they used to have to win and you're in. Well, even, even when they had the chase uh, with just the 10 races, if you, if you had a 20 point lead, all you had to do was finish top 20. And so they would not set the car up to run for the lead. They'd set the car up to run top 15 and be, it'd actually probably be less tuned. So it's less likely to break, to blow up. So before that race, they had the all-star race too, right, Brian? That's usually where they put it. Correct. They start their, yeah. they start their event off with the all-stars. So we just got a tweet here uh, from iRacing.com here uh, showing that they were four wide going into the first couple corners here with these cars. These cars are the GT4 Porsches. Uh, and uh, the Caymans, and they're 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 fun to drive, but they're a handful. So for them to go four wide for a couple corners here and, and battle like that at Silverstone, it's it's quite a feat just to do in general. And how about the winner, Emily Jones of Embry Racing? Yeah. yeah, that was a that was a pretty commanding win. If you if you watch the end of it, she actually uh, really took it to the rest of the field. And uh, there was uh, some a lot of action at the uh, last turn of that race too. If you if you get a chance to rewatch it, where uh, uh, Jimmy Broadbent and a couple other cars really were fighting hard to get on it, was a, it was a good finish. Fighting hard. Let's talk podium five hundred, which was uh, Sunday, and I put it up on the big screen in the living room. Boy, what an what an event! Yes. Sunday was the finals. It started at one o'clock. It was, uh, man, they had over 360 entries into the podium 500. Um, on uh, Saturday, they had eight different qualifying heats. They had two last chance qualifiers fires, and two duels all to set the field. And uh, 
and Casey Kerwin takes that top finish with the second one to Daniel Eberhardt and Logan Hilton finished in third in that race. We already talked Malik Ray finished uh, in fourth and uh, Fast Pasta, Anthony Alfredo, he got the P5 in that race. And you, you told me I jinxed Anthony because I told him <laughs> 20 to go. I said he's going to win this race, but he didn't. But he got shuffled. I mean, he was the first car on the bottom, but he ended up getting shuffled there before the end. Uh, but, boy, it's your typical aggression during a money race, isn't it? I yeah, think- you poke race because it's spread out over a whole season, you know. It's, but, uh, man, when you got, like, a good amount of money to go on a – on a single restrictor plate race, you can pretty much expect mayhem to happen. I was in uh, one of the uh, early, I was in the, one of the early heats in that race. And uh, yeah, it was even for a heat race. It was, it was pretty tough to get through. It was a lot of, a lot of accidents, a lot of problems, but um, yeah, you got money on the line and everybody's together like that. Anything's going to happen. Now there were payouts for more than just first place, but as far as say points go there are no points so money or not they're just going for the win well and mike you were saying that uh you know anthony got shuffled there anthony kind of let uh i think it was was it not malik who came from the top all the way down to the bottom and just like shuffled his way right in front if i remember correctly and it kind of just caught them out there and then when the wrecks they started getting the cautions there late he just could never get back after he gave that little little bit to to Malik Ray there, and uh, um, but all in all, it was a great finish, um, great broadcast too. They they do a really good job on their broadcast. Yeah, Casey Kerwin, bring it home. Okay, I got the next one. Um, rest in peace, Stacy Adams. Uh, I racing community uh, will bid a fond farewell to fellow racer Stacy Adams. I actually ran with Stacy a lot in NIS. If you've been in NIS, you might have uh, raced with Stacy. He ran a uh, paint job. It was like Florida Fishing Company or something like that. Uh, but he was from Colorado. Um, good guy. And uh, sorry to hear that um, we've lost Stacy. I was looking back through this when I saw this too, Mike. Uh, David and I last or, uh, raced with uh, Stacy in his last two races as well. Um, and, uh, I raced with him in the, he raced Kansas, the Coke 600 last year, and then Kansas with his last race. But, uh, David and I, I, I raced in the last race he raced with him and David raced another race just before that with him as well. So it was kind of interesting just to look back and see, uh, what, cause I, you know, I haven't seen him around. I normally was racing in his split. So, um, I just remember the last thing I remember seeing him in was the, sh- the Coke 600, we had a great battle at the 600, and uh, um, but it's sad to see him go. Yeah, he's a good racer, kind of hard does, um, and yeah, we'll, we'll miss Stacy. That brings us to fixed setups don't necessarily mean full fuel. We had a uh, iRacer, Dave Bush. He tried to run a race hosted with the fixed setups, and he wanted to start with a full tank of fuel, but the fixed setup was set up to only run 60%. Uh, and basically, iRacing default sets in a lot of places aren't necessarily going to be full fuel because if you're talking dirt cars or even road cars, they don't necessarily always need the fuel, full fuel tank for, for a standard race. So 
the fixed setups are, are made to have the right amount of fuel to finish the race. So if you want to run full fuel with a fixed setup, you have to customize the set and then upload it when you, when you set up the server. This kind of caught me off because I just, I think I just assume it was full fuel. Um, if you're picking up an iRacing set, you know, you, I, you think the tape's going to be okay. The, the tank's going to be full, but I guess not. Well, if, some series even have fuel limitations depending on whether you're running, say, IMSA or the 24-hour. The Ferrari doesn't get to have all, uh, what is it, 90 liters? If when you're running... Uh, Close to that, yeah. Yeah. It, when you're running in IMSA, it's limited to like 40 or 50, I think, or 55 liters or somewhat. Uh, so all of the sets that you get have that as their as the fuel amount rather than the 90 liters and in fact sometimes when you pump it up to 90 it you have to adjust the ride height because it changes how much it that's it makes the car so much heavier that it ends up disqualifying it as being too low i didn't yeah i didn't realize that uh this would even like why it would even be made that way though if you're most series are full tanks so that's kind of odd it's it like you're saying it's a one-off for certain things but uh, i guess it's something now we just got to keep an eye on because um not always you, you debt what are they saying go into a race and save it as a full fuel so you can use it for a hosted is what they were kind of getting at here you have to you have to edit the set and then upload it to iRacing for as your fixed set when you create a when you create the server like like we're running the league race tonight with the Yakura, and he always customizes the sets, so he has to upload it instead of running the standard fixed setup. Yeah, where you're going to see, and also where you're going to see the main differences in uh, fuel sizes is is the road courses and dirt racing. You know, because most of those dirt cars are not going to run; they're not going to use 15 gallons in a race. So, uh, guess we're on to. Uh a real world racer here, uh, Jimmy Broadbent. Um, he's he's landed himself a ride here uh, in in real life. So he's going to be uh, what do they call it? The Prega in the Brick Car Endurance Championship. It's Prega R one or something like that. It looks like the Batmobile. It's freaking cool. Well, and apparently there's a new version of of this coming. Like this is it, something's changed. Like I've seen some of his. Uh, YouTube the last couple of days he's been I guess an R factor they use they have this car in it but it's a, a, a ver an older version of it so he's been running it to test it to get used to it um, I was going through this whole kind of I, I followed Jimmy pretty well I like his his videos because they're pretty it's just him having fun a lot uh, and, and he's him and his sitting in his shed uh, so uh, it's nice to uh, to see that some it's you know his YouTube channel has kind of gone into real life, um, but the thing that uh, kind of got me a little I, I didn't like is some of the comments in here saying I, I, you know I maybe it didn't it just got me but if you let's read some of the comments in here it's it's people that didn't get he didn't get it because of his driving skills or anything like that people are saying it because he's a youtuber and and got backing and stuff like that do people not realize how racing works nowadays people don't get some people get rides that may not have the skills but he's got skills anyways he just has 
a good social media following. He has like over 650,000 people on his YouTube channel. Um, so, you know, he, people, someone recognized that and maybe he's using it uh, for it. But to, to say he doesn't deserve, there's a lot of more deserving people that should get it than it. I kind of just don't like the way that they were coming off in some of these comments. We, we've seen Jimmy in the BMW um, simulator and he was just a few tenths off the factory driver, remember? So we know he's got the chops. I mean, that's, sorry, go ahead, David. And as far as buying rides or, or through notoriety, it's not nowadays. That's the way it's been just about since sponsorship came into the sport. True. Yeah, he's Jimmy's had a quite a quite a good past few months, man. He's got had this announcement where he's going to be driving this Prega in the Brickcar Championship. Uh, you know, he's he's taking a trip out to BMW to ride their factory sim. He's a uh, he's a uh, in the All Star race for the Porsche Super Cup. Man, he's a uh, he's got quite a year going for himself. Pretty cool. It's nice to see him uh, do that. We'll see. We'll kind of watch and see how he does. Uh, next, a quick hit, a reminder to join myself and Chris Scales from Team Tafosi over at a special event, the Daytona Dirty Monkey 250 at the week from Saturday. And uh, there is an entry fee of $15, which goes 100% to support autism awareness. And uh, John Fowler from Monkey Motorsports is running this event. There's a bunch of prizes. I committed. I put I put up the 15 bucks two days ago. Uh, Chris is committed. I don't know if he's put up his money yet, but Chris needs to put up his money. And uh, we're going to go race with these guys, and I hope some of the listeners join us. So come out on a Saturday night and help support autism. So, uh Gary Weaver is uh, was on the forums, and even he, he was uh, checking out, asking some questions like, "What's the lowest um, I rating number is? You know, uh, not I rating, but your uh, customer ID number." Um, and uh, he also was wondering, he was thinking, you know, what's the earliest result that there is from the initial race from I racing? And uh, uh, apparently, staffer uh, Jason Bryce. Bifogel, Bifogel, um, he he got attached to that post, and he was able to dig up the actual first ever um, racing results uh, in iRacing. racing. It was a uh, pretty cool. Yeah, May thirty first, two thousand eight, South Boston Speedway, Legends Cars, four people raced, and Nolan Scott won it. Yep, it was a uh, pretty cool to see. Uh, that's uh, it's like the. Uh, it's like the Rosetta Stone, man. It's like the very first deal uh, of any any real race that was ever held in iRacing. It's uh, you know, it's pretty cool to see something like that. Do you know uh, Nolan's not on the sim anymore? Eh? He hasn't been here since 2019. Hmm. Um, I guess on our team, I'd be the lowest customer number, wouldn't I? I've been what is it? Here, 33. Something. Yeah, I'm I'm forty three thousand something. We're old. <laughs> um, we were just talking earlier about the crossover between iRacing and real life. Well, here's another one. iRacing has actually sent out a survey, and they're wanting to uh, push to provide the best, most realistic driving simulation. They want to talk with people about, or they want to get feedback actually from people 
having to do with their real world connections. And so they sent out a survey. Yeah, this came by email to everybody. If you're a member, you got it. I took the survey, um, answered the questions. I don't know if what I put in applies. I mean, I was a real world racer when I was 12 years old. I used to race Odysseys on the Mickey Thompson off-road nationals, but I don't know if that counts, but I put it in there. But uh, yeah, what'd you guys put? I'm Did lazy. They about... back? Did they televise back then? Did they have no. TVs back then? <laughs> um, yeah, that was a, that's the first time I've ever seen them asking about real world experience on one of these surveys. I don't think I've ever seen that. Well, this year, the whole 2020 season of last year was all about real world coming into the sim, right? Like it's it's kind of inevitable they're going to try and figure out some of it. Maybe maybe some of it's centric to begin with some of those other contracts that are being signed by other sims with real world racing too. Like there's there's maybe there's stuff in behind that they're trying to find information out of why uh, certain things are being done certain ways. And I hope they they post some results because that'd be really interesting. And in how many uh, iRacing members have any kind of real real world experience? I'd be kind of curious to see that myself. Um, so I I did fill out the survey as well, and I had had like uh, have some uh, sprint car um, experience that I had put in there. So um, yeah, so I put that in. It's it's interesting. I forgot about you and your sprint car. Yeah, money bags, Brian. All right, uh, let's go on to the next here. BMW Sim GT Cup. David, are we uh, thinking of running this one here? Uh, so they're, the BMW Sim GT Cup is being taken place at uh, Suzuka for uh, it's a two-hour race. It's on the 7th of March. Uh, license uh, just needs a D8 rotor up. Um, it's at uh, 1,300 Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, there's a 30-minute practice, two qual laps. Or obviously, like I said, 60 minutes. It's at the Suzuka Grand Prix race, uh, Suzuka Grand Prix uh, track and uh, needs a minimum of two drivers for the BMW M8 GTE with an open set. Yeah, we might can run it. Uh, we'll see. It, what, just, what I team just event are we the trying to schedule. get I don't know. Uh, we got Bad Harris coming up. We got, we've got M-Tech this weekend. I'm gonna have to start putting this stuff, all this stuff, written down on my uh, chalkboard behind me to for all the events coming up. It's a good event. It's interesting though, because uh, with it being right at two hours, which is right at the edge of the fuel mile mileage, there's gonna be some people who can pit twice and some people who will only pit once. I I wish they'd run it just a little longer or change the tank size by five percent. Well, I would I would think that would be better to do like uh, 140 minute maybe 150 minute race yeah i just don't i don't like fuel mileage being literally locked in by the clock where everybody know you know there's no yellows so you know you you know starting what your mileage is going to be and if you can run that one lap longer i mean i just i don't think it should be a part i don't think i don't think fuel mileage should be predictable basically okay uh let's talk should the yellow have come out? Jeff Barnes kicked off this discussion in the forums about whether iRacing may have set back the yellow flag sensitivity too far, specifically at Daytona. And uh, David, you weighed in on this one with even a, a video to, to prove it. How about three videos? I've got three up there that are that are just uh, pretty pretty. They've got it turned way down, man. We had a car stopped 
on the on the surface and at the same on that same event i was turned backwards uh, and so were three other cars and no caution you know that wiped out half the field and separated it um to where there was only about six cars left on the lead lap that's not oval, how I, oval racing is supposed to work i experienced this today as well I, there was a big incident that i was kind of involved in and I actually had assumed the caution came out and it was slowing. And I looked up and it's still green. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> you almost have to race these like uh, carb cups until the yellow comes out. You know, I mean, you just got to keep flooring it. It's crazy. Here's another kick in the pants for it, though. In the same race, we were wondering why we actually had to go back and check because we thought a guy who had just gotten spun. He actually came across my nose, in fact. Um, but um, he went off all the way to the inside and got close to the tire barrier on the bus stop. And then the caution comes out, and everybody's like, oh, that seems intentional, intentional. We went back and looked at the replay, and nobody was on the track surface anywhere. He was stopped at the tires, and when he pulled across the bus stop, which is not oval racing surface, the caution came out. Yeah, there's something different with the cautions at Daytona this year. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I just showed the uh, the replay on the one that you got there posted on that forms page, David, and it is odd that you know just in thinking in real life, that's going to bring out that's going to put debris on the track and stuff like that. So that's where you kind of still got to think where that should be bringing out the caution no matter what, even if the sensitivity is down. That's there's technically parts would be off the car and it would be all over the. The track there well if five or six cars are destroyed and cars are stopped on the track caution that's yeah. that's that's unquestionable caution you wonder if uh, there would have been a caution in the series race when they had their incident with uh, malik and zach and uh, and ryan Luza, because that was questionable i would think isn't there is there's live admin though for that stuff to throw the caution yeah no. i think tyler can throw a caution if he wants yeah they generally have it run by the game, though, I believe. Yeah, but I think he has the option to. Because they, like, I, I think even at the beginning of the race, before it started officially, they, they did extra caution laps. Like, he was delaying the caution um, so the broadcast could get caught up. Yeah, I was thinking that, too, because when they rolled off pit road, they still had a lot of information to get across before for the one pace car lap. And I think they did three, if, I, if it reminds me correctly if they went around at least three two times but not three weird so so do you guys think that this is a reaction from iRacing to um, maybe complaints about too many cautions or too too quick to come out possibly uh, i hope it wasn't just some kind of error in the code that snuck in um and you know just like in balancing of power sometimes they'll re you'll react to a car being too quick or too slow and you'll make an adjustment and then you think the adjustment's going to be right but it ends up when it hits the real world it ends up being too much and i think that's what's happened here is just just they went too far one direction okay i haven't seen in the forum link any uh anyone from iRacing themselves commenting on it. so uh either i guess they're either uh thinking about it or just want to keep it to themselves i guess so I, we'll see I put it in yeah i put it in as a support ticket and they replied and said thank you for bringing this to our attention we'll send it to the right people you know so i don't know if that's just your form letter or if it'll actually grab some attention but we also have the forum post 
It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, we'll get through this 500 week. They probably won't say anything. See what happens in week two when we go to a track like Homestead, which is just as bad caution-wise. So it should, you know, we should have some cautions there to just to know. But if it continues, I'd like to hear from iRacing on their thinking about it or why they're, why they're doing it either way. Like, is it because too many people complained about it? Is it um, – because, I mean – some of those races got ridiculously long last season. Like these NIS races that aren't full length shouldn't go longer than, you know, two hours is pretty long for a race depending on the track size. But um, some of them got really long in the tooth for racing, but you know, I don't really care either way what the length of the race is, but I know a lot of people just complain about too many cautions, uh, you know, caution after caution after caution. Yeah. But it's making the people who get wrecked, not have the chance to recover the the right solution. I, I don't think so. No, I totally agree. Um, those caution field races are because everybody gets it's it's a it's a building snowball that the longer the cautions keep happening, the more everybody feels like they're never going to get to run long run. So they start getting even more aggressive and more aggressive and more cautions. It's 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 a it's a positive feedback loop. Now, Brian, you run the Arca cars a lot with the damage model. Do you find if you've gotten in a, a damaged car, like seeing some of the cars and you're racing and it's damaged in it, do they kind of seem to get out of the race more than like in an NIS or A or B series because there's damage um, and it's it's less, you know, it hinders them more to try and keep going than, because I know that once you get damaged in an A class, you're not really damaged. You can keep going for a while. Like, does it, does it make a difference in the ARCA car? Yeah, I, I really think it does. Um, there's so many different different ways your car can get damaged, you know that 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 doesn't happen in the cars without out that model. That uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the Arca cars with the new damage model do make damage more pronounced than it does in the A class cars. Uh, so yeah, I some of this some of these issues may may be able to be fixed once a damage model comes out. If you know, even though if it might not be till the next gen car but um so yeah I, I do think that could be possibility i'm gonna take us on to the next topic uh, we're looking at a post from kyle Hendricks, and he did a comparison of the different setup shops for the daytona sets now plate racing it's a, it's it's going to be an interesting story anyway because there's it's the equalizer track right if you're in the draft and your setup won't spin out you're probably going to be okay unless it's way off of way off of uh, as far as being too much downforce that you can't keep up with the pack as well uh, but he posted a, a comparison of several different garage, garage sets. Uh, I didn't read it whether he ran these in the pack or just ran them by himself, but he listed the prices and gave his notes on them and also the lap times. Yeah, I, I was kind of waiting for somebody to do this so you could just compare them, you know. Uh, the, the pay shops that he has on the list are Pay to Win, Maconi, Majors, RC, RYCO, RYCO, Reaper Speed, and Rocket Setup. And uh, they range in price from like uh, free up to like twelve, fifteen dollars for the majors. Now, what I found interesting is the times. He, he recorded the times of each, and it looks like by himself with thirty percent tape. The iRacing Open setup, which again I think that's supposed to be the competitive one uh, that iRacing is putting up, 
47.5 when the other ones are like 47.2, 47.3, And so yeah. the iRacing setup right off the bat is off. The other thing that's interesting what he posted here too is he he said that when he looked at the setups, like the way that they're put together, none of them are even, they're all different. They're all different ways to set up a plate track. They're all, um, they all, none, none of them look like they're copied off of each other or done off of uh, anything in particular to make it faster. So it's kind of interesting that there's so many different ways you can go about making a set uh, fast uh or, or, or different uh, at this plate track. It's not one thing, like a cookie cutter thing that you got to do. Well, plate tracks are definitely their own monster. And the main thing is just be stable and, but have as little downforce as possible. You just want to be able, you want to have the, the spoiler out of the air as much as you can get away with. Um, but also the only issue I'll take with this, this guy, it's a neat idea, but Number one, hot lapping doesn't tell you about what a set's going to do. You know, it, you, this is not for plate. Your plate racing is going to be different, but when we get to short tracks and mile and a half, hot lapping is not going to tell you what a set's going to do. Number two, at any mile and a half track, hot lapping by yourself is not going to tell you what a set's going to do. Yeah, maybe a 10 lap average or 20 lap. Or, you know, what is it after 20 laps or something? Well, the other thing is too, David, it's really, really hard to duplicate lap after lap after lap the same on a, let's say a track like Charlotte. You can't, you know, you run the exact identical, like when you're wide open at Daytona, you could pretty much hit your marks every lap. You're, it's so much easier to get this kind of data from a place like Daytona, whereas you can't, you couldn't go and say, okay, this setup's, um, you know, it does this over two laps at like Atlanta. Well, if you do 20 laps over Atlanta, you still couldn't even get, you still might not get the same data because, you know, one little, like say you're trying to do distance over time there, you know, if you, if you bobble one lap, you're, you're, you're throwing off all the data, right? Like if you have a really, really slow lap in a 20 lap run, what kind of data are you getting from it? I mean, you just got to take average, I guess, but it, it's hard to do it with any other track besides Daytona or Talladega. Yep. And also if you add, even if you lock the weather and the sun where no, the temperature's not changing, even just one car going around the track adds rubber and changes the characteristics of the track as you go. When I was practicing for one of the to qualify for majors, you know, they have a they have a fixed weather condition that they run in and I would notice the car getting slower no matter what I did if I didn't reload the test session just because because rubber was getting on the track. Hey, uh, one quick thing I wanted to uh, point out in this story. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, he uh, just wanted to make sure everyone knew that, you know, he has no affiliation with any of these setup shops, you know, or the sponsors or anybody connected with these setups. So he just wanted to let you know that he had no, no kind of, um, no kind of personal interest in any of these results. Well, he also, he had, he, sorry, he had to spend some of his own money there too, to just get this study done for people. Yeah, and he also doesn't really lay down a verdict as much as just kind of says, here's the data. Okay, so this next one is a video uh, sent on Twitter from Dylan Nadwandi. Um, and 
it is a weird video. It shows a car um, coming down the back stretch at, at uh, Daytona. It looks like they're in a uh, pace lap formation. You know, they haven't gone double side by side yet. But this car just goes straight through the field, just knocking every car in its, w in its way out of the way. Uh, just blasts right through the field, um, past the pace car, and uh, wow. I, I don't know what what is other than uh, just a train wreck. You know, this person might have had some kind of issues where he couldn't see the cars on the track, maybe. That's what I'm hoping. Oh, yeah. Um, heavy blinking. But, yeah. yeah. So it's a bad, bad lag situation. I think uh, towards towards the end where the, it looked like some of the cars could see him coming and started darting out of the way to try to avoid him. But, man, I'm, usually you're, you're blinking out like that. You don't see that kind of uh, – kind of mayhem none of the hits that he does there are solid hits they're they're kind of like net code hits where you're going through and, and dragging through a car right. so uh, it's definitely a blinking issue that's caused it um but some cars you he know, goes through and other cars he doesn't yeah and it's he, he it's obviously too it's in the arca car so that's got the damage model on it so his car goes through a whole bunch of different it, it repairs itself at one point and then it has the tire through the hood and then pieces are falling off when it's not hitting something like it's it's an odd thing that happened here I, obviously if he had an issue and he couldn't tell um you know it's not his fault but uh you wonder how many protests came from this was he a lucky dog or something because why would he be getting that close to the, he passes the pace car and everything I, from his perspective, I bet he didn't see anything. Like, it was just an empty track. I've seen this happen before. I've been in a race where I've been ran through before from a guy doing this. Yeah, so he's got to be at, like, it's got to be close to where it's about to drop him and it doesn't drop him. Any of our gamers know exactly which Mario that uh, music comes from? I, I know it's one of them, but I was trying to keep the volume down so this uh, stream doesn't get taken down. Especially being on YouTube, it'll take that algorithm. Okay, so we got a quick hit here. Uh, a new website, it's status.iracing.com. And just like it says, it provides a system status. Um, tells you if downtime has been scheduled. It tells you if the website is up and running, forums, member site, downloading. Everything says okay and green. Um, they also have uh, the networks, Boston, Brazil, Japan, uh, Sydney, Frankfurt, West Coast, all listed. Uh, logins, uh, back-end services, and so forth. So it's kind of neat, I guess, when there's a problem. We have a place now to go and uh, see what's going on. Might be one of the things that they conjured up after Daytona, d deciding to see what they can do to increase the amount of communication that can happen. Good point. It's also a good way to, if you're having problems on your end to see if, I, you know, if you can't get logged in or something, you can go and check this and see if it's their site or it's you, right? right. There's what there is one thing missing though. They need a they need a GIF of a hamster on a wheel. <laughs> they they do have dark theme. There's a switch for it in the corner, which makes it dark. So I think it was Adam that shared this with the team because he's our, one of our guys who loves the super late model. Um, and I know Tom loves to run it as well. As well. 
they they run in a league, I think, either that or a strength of field race or something on a certain night. But there's a new uh, Gen 6 super late model coming out. It's uh, a clay model that iRacing put up on the Twitter. Uh, looks like a clay model of that car. Uh, sure looks like the one that Ty Majeski runs. It's pretty much this is what they do with the – this will be what – comes out as the image for when you're buying it, right? This is the, they just put a coat of paint over it with one of the paint jobs. And this is basically, you know, purchase this, add to cart, right? So that's what they, they're just teasing the, uh, the CAD scan here. Yeah, just, there's no paint, there's no skin. It's just all a clay color. Now, At- I, sorry, I was going to say, I saw on Instagram a, a company called Five Star Bodies, um, they retweeted this uh, and said, welcome to the new body era. And I asked Five Star, is this your chassis? And uh, they said that iRacing designed it, but it sure looks like it. <laughs> I don't know where this got scanned. Adam was saying in the chat that he believes it was scanned up, up there in Maine, right down the street from him, well, actually. You may have been at work when he, when he mentioned that. Okay. So, All right, guys. Is there such thing as a perfect fi- is there such thing as a perfect figure eight, Brian? Uh, I don't know. I guess there is, but there's uh, no such thing as a perfect figure on this podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> that's a good point. Well, uh, I racing thinks there's a perfect figure eight. They posted a video of uh, of uh, Peter Jersik um, doing a uh, you know Lucas Oil now has the figure eight with the jump. That's attached where the two to uh, where the two cars uh, intersect, and uh, this car actually hits the jump and just barely clears a car going underneath it. Um, it actually does make a little bit of contact, and it's actually pretty neat slow motion. You see the suspension uh, react to uh, the right front tire hitting the roof of the car, and uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, that's a that's a pretty good, pretty close to a perfect. Uh, jump over a car in the figure eight race which is actually really hard to do i i've i've been in those figure eight races before with the rally cars and uh you got to really nail that jump with some speed to, to get to clear the car underneath it and uh really it's, it's almost too much speed to make the right hand turn after the jump so uh yeah it's a pretty cool video it's uh it's fun to watch he almost didn't make that turn but he did it does look like he does make the turn at the end of there um I don't know who he went over top of there. I'm sure it probably shocked whoever he went over top of. But you know, we've all we've raced with Peter. Um, NIS, you know, he's a, yeah. yeah, he's runs NAS with us a lot. So I don't know what it is with him. He loves this paint job too, right? Like it's his classic green and blue paint. Um, I think of green, these this color. This is his car. I think of. But uh, uh, what a feat to do though, and, and capture here, and uh, you know now he's immortalized on the iRacing uh, Twitter page. So if Brian is the car that's getting, that's underneath that gets kind of run over, does your motion rig compress like when he runs over your hood, your roof? Uh, I would think so, yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't see why not. It, it does that that uh, that heave motion. So yeah, it, sh- it should do that, I would think. That'd be really interesting to see how it would how it would feel, it'd shock you probably more than anything. Probably be similar to running mm-hmm. over a bump. Yeah, next, I think that's probably what it would feel like. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, say uh, the next one here is the 
just like you were talking about with the fuel mileage thing with the BMW race, the B fixed was this way this last week. Um, apparently, it was a fuel mileage race because of the length of the 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 race, and so they had posted up in the forums about it. And then apparently, Tyler Hudson decided to make a change and lengthened it a few laps to thirty laps, uh, so it wouldn't be a fuel mileage race. So. Yeah, well, the one difference is that you can still have yellows at, at a B-fixed race, whereas that BMW race, there's no yellows, so the fuel mileage is guaranteed 100% to be a factor. But still, they showed right here that, that, that it's a legitimate concern. So, At least they fixed it. You know, they could have just left it, but you know, they've done something pretty quick about fixing it. Okay. He does. He does give his email too because he he said uh, this this uh, particular length got by b- based on trust from the community managers. Um, but he said if you see something like this before it, it gets to our attention, feel free to email me directly. Is what he said. All right. The next one is a request by Nick Neiman in the NIS uh, forums. Hey, let's have custom numbers for NIS. Um, I don't know if I agree with this. Um, doesn't it mess up the relative? Well, I think what he's saying is, like we do in a practice, we enter in a number that we're going to race. So, like, for me, uh, 87 is always the car I like to run, number-wise. It's designed for my paint jobs that way. If I was going to do custom, it would be an 87. So I have it locked as an 87. Um, say, when you go into a race... Someone else has the 87, either gets there before you or, you know, doesn't have it or does have it. Um, then I guess they're talking about, okay, how are they going to solve that problem too? But I think what they're saying is just have the numbers in there. You register it as what number you're wanting to start off with. And it would be in that race as on the relative instead of doing any of this I rating. So, cause the other thing is, is in our races, when we're in there, we judge people on how they race by what their number is on the track. Do you not like, I do. If I'm the, if I'm the number one car and I see the 31 car, you know, there's assumptions made, right? If you just start, take that out of the way, maybe, maybe the racing changes a bit, who knows? But, um, I mean, we got enough software. We can see those people's I rating on the outside. We don't need the, the car number to tell us that he's a lower ranking than us because it, racing in, Lower ranking means nothing in iRacing because the splits are so close a lot of the times. But I think what they're saying here is just get custom numbers so people can have their paint jobs the way they want and, and go from there. But I, I don't know if iRacing will ever relinquish that. I, I like the iRating system, especially as you get up into the top split, that number one car, he's he's earned it. Right, Garrett Mains was number one almost all the time, and and he earned that respect. Yeah, when you're down in 20th split, sure, but uh, there's going to be a fight over custom numbers. Uh, you know who gets the number? Everybody's going to want the three. Everybody's going to want the eight. Everybody's going to want the 88. Um, so um, I think for the official racing, the the number system, it 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 does give some good information, and if you. You know, if you're judging somebody, if you think somebody who's 30 for the 31 car in an NIS race is not as good as you, you're probably wrong. But I don't think we should change the number system for that. Yeah, but I'm saying it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, okay, so people pick the three car because they got good wrench or the eight car because they got the Budweiser or whatever, right? Well, you want to solve the problem. They were talking in the forms here, and I agree with it. Is 
you want to have that car number be the higher I rating when you when you enter in. So it's incentive to be a better, you know, you want to get the car number to look the same way to get all that stuff uh, for you. Make sure the higher number, make sure you have a good I rating, make sure all, you know, there's just, it's no different than when you're in a league race, either you can have custom numbers in that. But if somebody takes your number, you, you go to another number, right? Nobody really cares in the end. But I just think for, you know, we let custom paint jobs go so far and then we ruin it by this uh, a fixed number on the side of the car. It doesn't matter as much in road because a lot of the road cars, they just have the little, the number inside of a little square on the side of the car. It's not the same in a road as, but on oval cars and, and cars where numbers plates are like, you know, distinguish the car. Like look at NASCAR right now. We are, we're discussing where to put the number plate on the side of a car. And it's a big controversy. Well, I just think, I just think with having a choice to be able to, I'd love to have a higher number. Who wants, we don't ever get to see a number in uh, an NIS series or an A race or a B race or a C race in the oval side, anything higher than 40. So you're missing from 40 all the way up to uh, 99. It'd be nice to see some of those numbers on the track. Yeah, but you're not going to get the design benefit that you're talking about when you still don't know exactly which number you're going to get. You're still going to be stuck with a possible, a randomly changing number. Yeah, but how many times, like if it's like you, David, how many times you race a week? What would your number be, David, if you had to pick one? Ten. Okay. The likelihood of you racing probably, what, five times a week, four or five times a week, you're probably going to get it maybe two to three times of the week. You're going to get that number. Yeah, but you're still going to have to have a design on the paint that can that's going to be able to take a different number. You're not going to be able to put, just stamp the tin on there and be able to have every line lined up around the tin because next race I may be stuck with the 11. Okay, but most of the paint jobs, it's kind of sitting over top of it anyways. I see what you're saying by a specific paint where, like, say, a line's going through and it stops right at the one part. Like, it goes around the one and the zero. Well... You know what's going to happen is if you get say a 20 it's going to go over top of that anyway so and i don't know it's just for me it, it seems like it's less of a problem than it, we're kind of making it out to be i think i think it could be something down the road that they do you got to show the right number and the relative that's all i care about i, I don't give a crap what number it is but when i look at that relative i want to see the same car number that i see when i look at the car so, David, uh, as, as often as you run, do you ever have any issues like no, remembering what your own car number is as you're driving? You well, no. It's uh, based on I rating, you know, because I run mostly official, right? Um, right, but so, your number's changing like race to race. Yeah, the, the, right. num the number's changing, but you see it if you're chatting. Or, and you, what's the first thing we talk about when we, when we get in our splits? We want to know whether or not we're going to we have the high I rating and we're probably going to lose I rating or if we have the low I rating and we're going to get a chance to gain something. That's literally the first thing we look at is that car number. Yeah. So why so why not take that away and not have to make it a problem or we're thinking about that to start the race? Why does it matter? If it doesn't matter, then why do we look at it? But, right. But why should it thing. matter? Because I rating does matter. Yeah, it changes to, how much I rating you get. But do you think it would be less of a problem if you don't have to, if you just get a number when you, you know your number is going to be 87 or 10 or 8 or whatever when you come in? 
Well, then somebody just make an app that would still put everyone's I rating in order, so you would know what that car number is. So you we say, already hey, run I'm those. car number one. We already run those apps. Like we know what the people's I ratings are. Yeah. What if uh, what if you just have the uh, I rating listed in like the the screen where you have like all the uh, entries? You know, have it you know listed one through twenty or whatever that however many cars there are, but the the rest of the race you see their custom numbers. I know you. I know it won't make a be something you can see during the race to to adjust your racing style, but you know at least you'll know where you're starting at the well, you know compared to the rest of the field. You know where you're. You know where, when you come into any race, no matter what it is, even even on roadside, if you're or a league race, your I rating and your entry list will be in I rating order. So it doesn't matter what car number you are no you get in a league race it's not put in i rating order it's it's the it's just by order and the number okay so then would it still would it if you had a, a number say would it still just organize it as one through 99 i guess even if it was yep. entered that way unless you're split into actually i think even when you're split into classes um i mean it's you know i think it's at this point it's just a matter of which aesthetic do you like you know, that's at this point, that's all we're arguing. We need Bobby. Okay, moving on, we got a question from Scott Ross, uh, one of our listeners, asking, hey, what is your guys' Daytona strategy uh, going into these restrictor plate tracks? And so I asked the team, and boy, we had quite a discussion, I, and I thought we would just talk about some of the strategies. Uh, Adam said, let's stay in the top five to ten all race. That's my strategy. Uh, Tony, I don't hang out in the backpack, but back of the lead pack, keeping a distance from the front a bit enough to react. I like to run in the top five, if not lead. Usually I prefer to be pushing the leader because then I'm saving the fuel. And most of the time, you, you can get hit anywhere, but the odds say the more cars behind you, the less chance they have of hitting you. So that, that's that's my strategy to that. That being said, some of the guys in the lower splits have have trouble with those guys running up front not being very competent, and well, well, not just piling in, but just the front the front runners not not even being competent and the front not being safe. I've been I, wrecked out of the top five twice this week, so I don't know if there's a safe place. Well, what did we come as a conclusion? We came apart that you know we have what ten different members on the team that we're going to run restrictor plate racing this week and not one of us had the same strategy like for me i i just float around i'll i'll move up and i'll move back i kind of just try and put my car uh in every position as i possibly can just to see what it's going to do through the race but i prefer staying on the bottom somewhere in the race uh you know through the middle of the race because the 500 is such a long race you gotta i wish we would get to a point and and it never seems to happen where they just run single file and just would count the laps off like just get into a pack like it never seems to ever happen that way there's always someone that's got to jump out and and run it right you know you got 50 laps in and you're right on the person's door instead of just run a lane up and and, and come off the corner you, you, know, you don't have to be cranking the wheel off the corner it, it just never works out where people try and log laps early and you know, I, I was a victim of it last night. It, you know, there was a bunch of guys running on the bottom and two guys decided to go up outside that just couldn't push each other in a straight line. And they made the big one at lap, I think it was like 52. 
but you know we all can't agree on there's no there's no set way to do this if you ever listen to you know what did dale jr say on his podcast all the time he says he always wanted to be aggressive because he found whenever he sat in the back something happened but then you got somebody like denny hamlin who always sits in the back and then comes to the front late like there's there's no right or wrong way to do it it's just you got to know when to go i guess is the biggest thing right and to stay in contention plate racing is a lottery so you can anecdotally pick an answer either way and pick an example of that strategy working. Um, so my decision is just that I'm taking the 60-40 bet that usually the more cars behind, the less likely you're going to get caught in it. Um, but the same thing as somebody who lays all the way back gets some of the same advantage. Then then they, they still have to come back up from the front, which is not too hard to do if, you've got to, if you're good at plate racing and have the right car, unless you get into a situation like the Coke Series where they're running three wide, seven cars deep for the whole race. You're not going to get back to the front in that situation. I think one of the conclusions of the discussion was it depends on what split you're in, too. I mean, if you're in a lower split, it's going to race a lot differently. You're going to get an early caution. If you're in a higher split, it might go green. You don't want to lay back. You know, you might have a green flag stop to start the race. So there's different ways of doing it depending on which split you're in. Yeah, we had three green flag stops today today until a lap car started fighting with with the leaders to stay in front of the leaders and then that's when when things got bad he didn't actually cause the caution but it's how he suddenly started racing instead of just parading so we'll talk a little bit more about our daytona races here in a bit yeah my my, my two cents are it, it depends how well i can qualify too if i can't qualify in the top 10 i'm not going to try to push my way up to the front of the field especially early in the race you know if if I if I don't qualify well, I'll just stay back. If I get a good qualifying set like we had the other day, yeah, I'm going to stay up front because I uh, there that's the best place to be. I think um, least likely to have an issue in front of you than behind you if you can get up there. But I just don't like forcing my way up through the front um, early in a race if uh, if I didn't qualify well. Podcast housekeeping a bunch today. Uh, don't forget the Aftermath podcast and Fantasy Racing, guys. If you want to get involved, get the NASCAR app and get into Fantasy, find iRacers Lounge, make your picks before Sunday. And yeah, don't forget, Mike. Yeah, I haven't done it yet. Um, we need more listeners, and uh, we want to ask our current listeners to mention our podcast Whenever you're in a race to the other racers, uh, just throw it out there. Uh, we're trying to, you know, get a whole bunch of new people, so help us out. Don't forget to leave comments at our new website, iRacersLounge.com, where you can get links and visuals of everything we're talking about. The next one is, uh, you've heard about Midwest Simulation and the Spotlights. Uh, those of us that have them here at the iRacers Lounge do love them. And we have become an affiliate uh, with Midwest Simulations uh, with the rollout of their new Spotlights Pro. This is your chance to check them out. You won't be disappointed. Enter coupon code iRacersLounge for 10% off uh, if you want on your purchase. That's a pretty good discount for a very inexpensive uh, thing to help you on your for racing here, too. It's great to be affiliated with them. It's even 10% in Canadian dollars. 
<sighs> that feels like it, it should be a lot bigger than that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Scott Rupp for working with us on that. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware, software, we got to start off with Greg. Yeah, I guess I'll have to go over this because I've been busy this week. Uh, I totally uh, revamped my, I'm calling it my Sim Studio now. Um, and I, uh, I kind of came up with a creative way to uh, post my new setup here up on, uh, I guess I use TikTok to do it. Um, so I just kind of, just kind of got on the trend of, uh, of where you, you shut the door in a room and when it's all, you know, not done and then you open it back up and your room is done. And it's kind of nice. Cause I've, I've set the room up as I have a studio and then my rig, I separated my rig cause my rigs in VR, so I don't need it anymore. Um, and I've, I've done a pretty good job of, uh, uh, getting here to, to where I want it finally. It's nice and I've got my own lighting system in here too. And, uh, uh, I've finally got the studio and desk where I can finally work at what I need to. It looks really good. I really love that white chair. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cheap chair off of uh, Amazon, but I really like it. Um, it's nice that I can sit down here. I got my two monitors for doing all this stuff for the podcast and I can now run my laptop off the other side here and uh, do different things, control different things that way. And, and then my rig is completely separate. I'm not sitting in my seat uh, anymore to, to, to do this podcast. Um, I've got a big chalk chalkboard behind me that I've created. It's a four by eight chalkboard um, that uh, my wife and I created behind me here. Um, yeah. It's really nice. I've done a dash up for my uh, my rig now, so I've got everything close within reach. I'm going to start setting up. I have everything set up to start my streaming again, so hopefully I can have that going by this weekend and uh, go from there. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of getting this room done finally because the other thing I didn't share with you guys is I also have a green screen on the other wall on the other side here, so uh, anything that I want to record or take a, like, a picture or something, make something out of, I got a green screen over there. I can just put, uh, go in front of and, uh, and make content out of. You can even do the weather. I don't think you want me doing the weather it's, in Canada. It's just going to be, it's snowing. It's snowing. It's cold. My ass is freezing here in Arkansas. We're supposed to get 20 inches next week. Yikes. We call that a Monday. We call that <laughs> once every, every 15 years. Next, we got a uh, new cockpit, NRG Innovations. Listener Troy Eaton sends this one in. It's $1,000. I haven't figured out where they're from, but uh, it's an interesting cockpit. It, it's not 80-20. It looks like it's um, some kind of uh, composite or something. Uh, not sure, plastic or wood, but um, it's got you know an upright with a good base for the steering wheel, uh, mouse pad off to one side, keyboard tray on the other. You know, your typical uh, stationary cockpit. I don't know about the price, though. It's up there. Uh, a couple of positives is it looks like it has the monitors close, so you can get that field of view probably right. But I question how adjustable it is as well. Good point. Yeah, I don't see a lot of adjustability there. It doesn't look like it would support triples either. Right. But NRG Innovations. What do you got next, Brian? 
So next is ignition controls. It's uh, ignition controls. It's a variety of button boxes that they have. They start at 160 bucks, and uh, looks like uh, they're not. They're uh, just a uh, flat type of boxes that just sit on a on a flat surface. They're not. They don't have mounts on them or nothing. But there's uh, they're uh, they're nice looking switches though. It's all blacked out, black knobs and switches, um, and everything's laid out pretty well. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really nice looking switch. I like the little joystick it's got, like where you know, an omnidirectional uh, input there. That one's pretty cool. Yeah, it looks like like almost like the funky switches that the Fanatec uses, sort of like. Right. That. Yeah, it would be a good thing for scrolling through the menus uh, on the uh, for the you know, the menus for the the black box menus. Black box. Yeah, that's what I meant. Thanks, David. There's uh, some VR layouts, too, which I like about my specific one that I already have, uh, and they have this in mind, too. They have it laid out where it's really easy to, to remember where everything is because you can't see your buttons when you've, when you've got the headphones on or the, the, the whole head, he, headset on. Yeah, that's what I was going to say here, too. Looking at the, the VR stuff, that's nice to have because the black box I've – or the button box I have, I've had to kind of – memorize what i have set up and i when i'm when i'm looking for one of the knobs for brake bias on it i always got to count how many they're in from the one side to get the right box when i'm kind of doing it in my head while i'm racing so it's it's a little bit different but uh the more i get used to it the the easier it is i wish uh groves was here though because we could also order labels hmm. pricing was a little high i thought for these though Ranging from 160 up to about 250. It's almost like that when they add that little joystick in. It's it's a lot more for uh, this box because literally it's not as 100 still pretty expensive. Like a lot of the simple button box, like even I have, I have I don't know probably a 20 button box. It's it's probably no different than their highest one here. It just doesn't have that joystick. Um, you know, they went for like 80 bucks. So. I guess it can be priced whatever somebody will pay for, right? Ignitioncontrols.com. Check those out. I got the next one. Uh, iRacing Sport tweeted that if you use the AVG antivirus and you get cannot find SIM error, please contact AVG. Their latest update is actually deleting iRacing files. Can you believe that antivirus? I mean, who? And so my question is: Is who in the world is using antivirus in 2021? I was going to say the Windows stuff that comes with it is pretty good nowadays, isn't it? So anyone who's savvy just uses the Windows stuff. They don't install Norton. They don't install AVG. If you're installing that, you're not doing it right, in my opinion. Well, you're just slowing your system down too, because it's always trying to do something else in the background. Right, you just uh, another app to run while you're trying to race. You know, the smart thing is don't do anything stupid on your sim computer. Just use it for racing, and don't you know go to questionable websites and whatnot. And then you yeah, don't have to worry about it. Use your phone for those questionable websites. And use, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because I remember it used to be a big deal years ago when. Uh, you know, you'd be in a race and someone would say, oh, crap, my antivirus stuff came up and it caused a black screen or something like that. we got two more quick hits here. Uh, we David have a... Tucker. Yeah, yeah, David Tucker. Yeah, go ahead. 
We have a 3D printed button box, and it's actually really a little bit more than that. It essentially looks like a, a uh, hub, just like you might order the Universal Hub. Uh, you can actually stick it on with, with a rim that doesn't have a lot of buttons, and it's pretty hefty. It's definitely more fully featured than the Universal Hub that, that, that we talk about often. 3D printed, okay. It looks pretty nice. Yeah, it's got 10 buttons at the top and five knobs and a button and a toggle down at the bottom. It's very, that's a, that's pretty impressive for be, being all packed right in there on, uh, in easier to reach places. It's also smart to have all the buttons up high and all the knobs down low because usually you don't, usually reaching the lower knobs or buttons is, is not too convenient, but you always have to take your hand off if you're going to work a knob. Do you guys see the one image here where it's the back of the uh, the wheel here on the on the, when you click on the one site? What kind of cable is that that's going into the back of that? It's not like a it's crazy. It's it's kind of remi- like the, how big it is. It reminds me of like a, an amp plug-in. Like I don't know what's on the other end. Is it like a printer style uh, prong? Like is it like the prongs? It's kind of weird. Have to, I'd have to see it, you know, on on the inside, but it's it's custom for the hardware. It's not standard to anything that you would see in normal consumer products. I wonder if it locks in so that you don't knock it off. Like it kind of like either screws in or whatever, so you don't knock it off when you're spinning the wheel around. Yeah, that's a pretty secure connection. It's uh, probably locked in similar to the way it's either got a little latch like an XLR plug has, or it it actually twists on. It has it has a clamp on the outside that twists on. So you could actually download the files to print this yourself. So it's already designed and everything. So that'd be something that Tony could do. So Brian, do you like to do your eyebrows? Uh, no, I don't. Not at all, actually. Um, but I do like these eyebrows. It's uh, from Apex Sim, Sim Racing, and it's a uh, they're 3D printed uh, eyebrow, LED eyebrows. So you, these uh, you actually buy them from from uh, Apex Sim Racing. You can't print them yourself, like the the last thing. Uh, they're 125 bucks, and uh, they can mount to your uh, your steering uh, wheel or your wheelbase. And uh, you basically map these lights through Sim Hub, and you can uh, when you when you map it through Sim Hub, you can have them purpose for several different options you can use them as a as a like rpm indicators you can do them for wheel slippage you can do them for um like all, all the different things that sim hub has to offer for their led situation so uh yeah so uh, i i watched the the video with the guy I had them on and they were actually set up for wheel slippage because i was watching the lights and i thought they were going to be coming up for um you know changing from from yellow to red for rpms but they didn't they were they were coming they were turning on when his car was losing uh grip so it was a a, a slippage indicator which um i think uh you know if you're road racers especially uh will probably be a pretty cool little uh little item to have to have it set up like that but yeah so it's 125 bucks from apex sim racing and uh yeah it's a pretty pretty cool little deal there yeah, most of your cars that don't have anti-lock, they do have uh, lock-up detection. Like if you're running in the Porsche 919, you'll see lights in the actual cockpit that light up if you lock the front brakes up. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of racing on the 911 GT3 Porsche, and it has uh, no anti-lock brake system, so it 
it has these uh, to show when, it, when the wheels are locked on the uh, dash as well. So it's kind of interesting that you can code these type of things together um, with it. It's coded on a lot of uh, formula wheels too when you're an open wheel certain wheels on the rpm will light up just on the edge even though you're also seeing your rpm indicator at the same time and uh of course for everybody here but mike there would be one problem we all use vr and you can't see them in vr right i was gonna say it sounds like something midwest customs might get into eventually okay next is results we're gonna talk nis i can't believe season is here uh, let's talk Wednesday Open, David, P18. Yeah, I got wrecked out fighting for the lucky dog after I got spun coming into one of the green flag stops. Um, it was mostly a racing incident that I would call 60-40, the other guy. But really what happened is he was right on the bumper of the leader, and I was right on his outside. And I moved down just a little to go ahead and get ready to side draft. We were on the straightaway. And then both the leader moved to the right with nobody being behind, being beside him. And the other lap car followed him and collision. But it's not one of those you should hold a grudge over. It was truly, it was a true accident, I think. Um, but it took me out. Uh, I still lag, lagged around and got a decent P18. And that's it, the one where I have a link on here of the, the ridiculous no caution as well. You can see it on the results. And boy, I had a good race going, guys. I started P3. I led almost every lap up until lap 55. I was on the bottom leading. Uh, the guy came up on the outside. Uh, he gets where he thinks he's clear, but he's not clear. He's probably six inches not clear. Decides to turn left right into the bottom lane and just wrecked the entire field. Um, it's disgusting. I, w I was pretty upset because I was really fired up the day before for this race. And um, I just knew I could win it. And I, I probably, I was on my way, but uh, yeah, I got wrecked. Yeah, we can always contend, but, you know, it's still a lottery. Uh, the luckiest driver of the night for us, or, well, not just luck, but skilled as well. Tony comes in P2. He was the master of dodging wrecks and uh, and people who lined up stupidly. He couldn't over his overcome his own late race green flag stop where he sped out of the pits, um, even with sim racing beeping at him. Uh, but he was definitely faster as a leader as he finished right behind him a lap down. There was only one car on the lead lap in his split. Wow, that's crazy but uh, yeah i mean he was basically saying if he didn't speed on that last stop he would have won the race um so I, you know he's running vr and he's got that thing beeping at him i was telling him you know sim racing apps has a great overlay if you can get it in your display where it visually shows you your speed to the tenth of a mile an hour to help you uh you know squeeze out every little bit you can Greg, you ran this one, but you uh, didn't tell us how you did. So tell us how you did. I'm trying to find where I actually finished because my car was on its roof uh, where I actually was. So I don't. I'm so position way back. Position roof. Position roof. Yeah, it was pretty. Uh, I was saying in the results, like or when we were talking earlier, it's just we were minding our own business on the bottom, running around, and two guys. Pushed down the back straightaway. I, you know, they're by themselves. They were up. I think they made themselves up. I would think it was ninth, and they moved up into like that third or fourth position 
uh, fighting and he tried to push him down the backstretch from the right side of his car and hooked him into the wall and then he went across the rest of the field and I kind of just got knocked into the grass and then someone that decided that the grass is where they were going to go kind of just took straight into my door and up and over I went and it's never a good thing in VR when you're up on your lid so (laughs) but uh, you know it's race one it's a good thing about this week is lots more to still do Bobby did run with us last night as well and uh, with everything going on I don't remember exactly what what happened but I do know by the time we stopped that night me and uh, Tony were the only ones left on TeamSpeak so it must have been a DNF and then this morning or, or no this afternoon we were iced out so I got to run the the I guess one o'clock race my time uh, was running the in the front the whole race it actually established a relationship with some of the guys of, of trust and um, then we had a lap car that was that we caught who was not damaged he was just back there because of uh, some poor luck on pitting and so he got he got into the mix and that caused us to get a little bit back to some two wide racing after we had run a lot of single file and then somebody in in that mix got on the apron and took a lot of us including me out the engine expired about 10 laps later the guy apologized you know mistakes happen uh you always though it still sucks it you always feel a little bit better when people will just say yeah i messed up yeah, tough break for you, um, and it blew up after you got wrecked, so you couldn't finish. P11 for me, um, I'll take it, I guess, after being wrecked, but I was running P4 with 10 to go, and um, four of us lined up on the inside in a straight line. He comes up behind us, has a run from the draft, and just runs right into the back of me and turns me. I mean, runs into me hard, like he's trying to push uh, and just try to run through me, I guess. I don't know, but I just don't understand the logic. He's wrecked out. We're wrecked out. Everybody else is wrecked out. Um, I ran top five literally all race, and I led the most laps again. So uh, another bad result for me, but uh, I'll try again tomorrow. It's a good sign, though, when we're considering a P11 bad. Right. That moves well, us. That moves us to official series, and uh, I'm gonna. I'm messing with Mike a little bit here with these results. Uh, I ran a bunch of A opens here. Uh, a bunch. Being, uh, being off work. Yeah, and wait till we get to the the sprint. But I'll, I'll, to save time, I ran Daytona. You know, just to get the practice and get the. You know, race A. Racing is just better practice if you can race at one of those two-hour races. That's one of the reasons I love iRacing is that they have those two-hour races. So 6th, 20th, 5th, 13th, 20th. Not, you know, it just depended on the luck on whether I got caught up in stuff or not. And then Euro Sprint, boy. Yeah, this was uh, most of these I ran this weekend, and I'm going to get to run this tomorrow. We're off again, so I'm going to be hitting a lot of... Uh, Montreal this week tomorrow tomorrow morning and afternoon it's gonna be fun two wins second 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 30th 6th 4th 26th 2nd 5th 4th 2nd 3rd 28th 4th wow lots of top fives well done I was getting pretty frustrated with with those five seconds in a row and then finished the week off with two wins all right that uh, that, that moves us to the league league NASCOM NASCOM is that what it is yeah so we ran this Brian um, Saturday, I think it was, and you won it. Can't hear you. Yeah, it was so cool. Got, got me now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
Adam Jocelyn, he posted something earlier in the day, um, Saturday, about, you know, getting in this race with it wasn't their uh, normal uh, league race. It was kind of like a fun race for them. So uh, they were letting letting people who weren't in the league jump in and, and do it. And uh, I got in like right right at the nick of time to start the race. And man, that was so fun. It was, me, Mike, and Adam, we were just uh, grouped together. We were kind of working as a team uh, against uh, against all basically the rest of the guys in the race. Um, it wasn't a, a huge field, but uh, man, we. We uh we were all running together. I think um we had one green pit stop. Uh, we executed it flawlessly, all three of us. Um, and we wound up. Uh, I wound up getting in and out a little bit better than everybody else. So I came back out in the lead, and we kind of just pushed each other past uh, the rest of the cars. They had a couple. They had a they had a run come up on us at the very end, but um you know we stayed together, and that kind of. Boxed, boxed everybody else out, really. And so, yeah, so I got got first place, and Tafosi uh, went one, two, three. Yeah, this was the ARCA car, but it was still a good practice just to restrict your plate racing and working together. And and at the end there, you know, I just, as, as long as one of us won is, was the goal. So you guys had the bottom. I made sure the top was covered, and nobody was going to get by us. There's no way you can go three wide on these. And uh, the the guy that was not our teammate that was behind us, yeah, he had nowhere to go. Um, but but like Brian said, he, he had got onto pit road really good, uh, beat me off, and that's really what won him the race. Next up, uh, Fast Track Sim Racing League. Um, it's the A car at Daytona, and I won it, P1, baby. I actually started dead last, P30. Worked my way up to the front uh, pretty easily, actually. Uh, rode around saving fuel uh, until near the end and then went for it. Um, and that was like a Monday night. Um, I think he called it the clash. And then Tuesday, we had duels. And I actually started dead last there and got wrecked while leading. I was side drafting with, with a little bit of net code that caused it. Um, and teammate Tom Dryling ended up winning that race. So uh, between Tafosi, we won the Monday night race and the Tuesday night race. And looking forward to that league uh, starting next Monday uh, with Tom and I believe Steve Lou Allen is going to run it with us as well. So we have ARCA, OBRL, Brian, P4. Yeah, so Monday night was Bristol. It was the second race of uh, the first round of the playoffs. Uh, top eight go to the next round. Um, I finished sixth last week, and uh, Bristol is one of those tracks that I just cannot usually it's just terrible at but man i was pretty quick early in the race in a long in a, in a short run i was i was plenty fast i qualified p2 um you know i led some laps early in the race um but you know as a, if we had long long green flag runs i would i would fall off towards the end but um yeah so we had enough enough green uh yellow flags that i was able to stay close to the front and actually wound up getting turned like about lap 138 i think it was um somebody got to the back of me i didn't go all the way around you know i just kind of skidded down to the apron locked up my tires i didn't hit the inside wall so i kept going but no yellow came out so i lost like a uh, three quarters of a lap and my tire and 
that turned out to be one of the longer runs right there. And so my tires weren't that good from probably from locking them up. But I was able to stay close enough to the leaders that after they had an accident um, late in the race that took out a couple of the cars in front of me, I actually wound up coming in fourth place. So that's by far my best finish at Bristol, especially with the OBRL guys, because they're all really good at that track. And uh, so I should easily get me into the next round. Well done. Okay, final thoughts. Uh, Brian McCubbin, what do you got? Well, uh, I want to, on the show here, to announce an our new team member uh, to Tifosi Racing. He's actually a really good friend of mine. His name's Tyler Williamson. He's been a really big fan of the show. He's followed us, followed all of our stuff on um, on the socials. And uh, so, you know, we were looking for to make our team a little deeper, and uh, I thought he'd be a great fit. And uh, so... Uh, Mike gave him a call. He was really excited to hear from Mike on the telephone and uh, formally in, in, invited him to the team. And he's, uh, he's hey, he's already won a race. He actually won a race this afternoon for us in the Xfinity cars in a, in a, uh, in one of the, uh, in one of the uh, series races. So uh, it's good to have Tyler on. He's a good friend of mine. He's a good guy. And I think he's going to be a, a great teammate for all of us. Yes, welcome, Tyler. We're happy to have you, and uh, it's been fun having him on so far. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, David Hall, final thoughts. Um, Daytona, it's a lottery. I'm actually doing a pretty good job of not being frustrated, even though it's been 0-2 so far. You know, I know I got two more chances, and that's just plate racing. That's the monster. I feel good that I'm running good. Just need to get a good finish. Come watch my stream. It's twitch.tv slash mixmage. And it's just one X. Yeah, if we weren't running, <laughs> if we weren't running good, it would be a different story. I, if if we didn't have a setup that was worth winning, that is that can win, it would be a different story. But we do have a setup that can win. I, I know it. So, all right, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Yeah, I can make that symbol on. Uh, I didn't have your camera up, so I can or my camera up, so I can do that, David. But. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to more racing. It's good to be back in the oval cars. I've spent most of the winter in the uh, um, roadside here, um, but it's been good to go back and forth. Uh, but I can't wait to get back on and race Daytona. Yeah, it's it's a shitty race, and it's a lottery, like David said, but uh, for some reason it always draws you back, and uh, uh, the team all has enthusiasm while they're doing it racing it so you know it kind of gets you fired up every time we get to do it so tomorrow night we'll do it hopefully i'll have my stream up uh tomorrow night if you want to look for it it's uh twitch.tv slash frozen cactus frozen with two o's cactus with two k's how many yeah that's right david so anyways yeah come out and uh watch both of us uh take it on the, the race here okay very good uh my final thoughts um Man, it feels good to lead laps and lead the most laps and be in the top five all race long. Um, yeah, that is comforting that, you know, hey, I'm, I'm in position to win this race if I can just get some luck. But I think it's about watching the mirrors and just staying away from idiots and fools. Um, you see these people coming up behind you, you know, are they going to run you over? Maybe I need to move out of the way before that happens. I, I need to do something different. So. I have one more chance uh, Friday night for the Open. I'm going to run Sunday night fixed. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I hope I can get a win because it's my best chance of the year. So we'll get it. We're going to try. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Later.
Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.